Welcome to the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question. Is your sleep making you tired? I'm your host, Tara Clancy. Join me each week for the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you banish counterfeit sleep and have more energy, increased productivity, and a reflection in the mirror you love. Go ahead and subscribe and you'll get each new episode as soon as it goes live. If your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep.com. The Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, Season 1, Episode 24. Are you vitamin D deficient? If you have sleep challenges, a vitamin D deficiency just may be your smoking gun. But then again, that depends on who you talk to, especially if you're talking to someone who is not aware of the current research on vitamin D. So today, we talk to the greatest vitamin D authority I know, Dr. Stasha Gomenak. Dr. Gomenak is a retired neurologist who made a fascinating discovery while treating thousands of patients with neurological illness. She discovered one treatment that helped patients dramatically. What was that treatment? Helping them improve their sleep. And that's where the vitamin D comes in, because, as Dr. Gomenak says, we think of it as vitamin D, but we really should think of it as hormone D. Now, that may stir up some controversy with some folks, but as you listen to Dr. Gomenak talk about how vitamin D functions in our bodies and its critical role in allowing you to get high-performance sleep, you just may find yourself calling it hormone D, too, and then running out to get some. Listen in and learn what a healthy vitamin D level really is, what hip and knee replacements tell us about our sleep, and how we can eliminate IBS and other gut problems. This excerpt from an earlier conversation starts with this question. Dr. Gomenak, tell us what can we do to manage stress and stay healthy? I think we should sleep more. That sounds pretty obvious and it also sounds like it's simpler to say than to do, but sleeping is one of the things that we do to heal. Yeah, I agree with you so much. It is. It's one of our basic needs. And so it's kind of like, yeah, of course I need to sleep more, but we don't necessarily. So can we talk for a minute to maybe bring it to everybody's, the front of everybody's mind, like why sleep really is so essential for us, especially when we're stressed? Tara, I think our body never heals unless we get into deep sleep. And um, I, I really feel that we're using our body during the day we're using our body every time we're awake and we're only healing it when we're asleep and i also feel that most of us only gain mastery over the things that frighten us the things that are most stressful in our life which is right now the coronavirus by dreaming i think dreaming is how all animals gain mastery of their fears 
So if we can sleep more, we might be able to reduce our anxiety and mm. at the same time that we're healing our body physically. Well, I, I can actually speak to that on, uh, you know, at a personal level. I know that if I have had a bad night of sleep, I tend to feel just much more, you know, a, a much greater stress response to everything because I'm just not rested. And you mentioned deep sleep. So can you just talk about that for just a minute or two so people who aren't familiar with that will know what you mean? Sure. We sleep uh, in little blocks of time and we have what's called light sleep where we're still somewhat aware of our surroundings. And then we have deep sleep. And deep sleep is where there are very specific chemical things that are happening in our brain and our body. Deep sleep, I believe, is a specific phase where when you think about what we're doing when we repair, we're actually opening up the door for parts of our body to reproduce themselves. Repair is very much like growing or like reproducing ourselves. And if you think every single cell has the potential to reproduce itself, it has the DNA map to reproduce itself. When you're going to repair something, whatever it is in your body, you're opening up repair processes that have to be tightly supervised so that it doesn't go a little crazy and make two of that cell. You want to repair, but you don't want to make a second one. Mm -hmm. That means we actually have a state that we call awake where we're using up things. And then we have a state where we are actually opening up dangerous processes under heavy supervision that allow us to remake our body. That is called deep sleep. During the two phases of deep sleep, we are paralyzed. We become paralyzed theoretically, we think, so that we can repair moving parts. So deep sleep is very different than light sleep. Both mm -hmm. of them are interspersed together and we alternate. So, so we, we want to make sure that we're safe because it's mm -hmm. dangerous to be paralyzed. So we alternate light sleep with deep sleep throughout the night. You know, it almost reminds me of um, when my, my, my son, my firstborn, I was, you know, an infant and I was really trying to key into his sleep patterns and really sort of, you know, know what was going on. And I would see it sort of cycling through, um, you know, every, I guess it was like 45 minutes or something. And he would stir, you know, and you would try to make sure that he wouldn't wake up. You don't want an infant waking up in the middle of the night. Um, but what, what also is interesting that you said was, um, you know, growing versus repair. So is it like, you know, when you're younger, the, the main process is for growth. And then as you get older and you're done growing, quote unquote, the, that same thing shifts now to a repair mode instead? Yes. So one of the most interesting discoveries in the last 10 years, in my view, is that the first phase of deep sleep that we enter is called slow wave sleep. That is the same as deep sleep if you're using a sleep tracker. So an aura ring or a fit, Fitbit calls the first phase of deep sleep that usually falls between 11 p.m. and 2 a.m., they call that deep sleep. The sleep doctors call deep sleep either slow wave sleep, which is the first, or REM sleep. So it's a little confusing. But 
Slow wave sleep is a phase of deep sleep during which growth hormone is released. In children, that is what matches paralysis and growth. You must be paralyzed in order to grow. As soon as we go through puberty, that same exact hormone still is linked to slow wave sleep, but it's released in a pulsatile way. So it's no longer continuous. It's now in pulses, regular pulses. Mm -hmm. To me, that suggests that we are using similar processes to what we use to grow. Both are during paralysis. Both are tightly supervised. Interesting. And I know from, again, having, you know, interviewed you and having read, um, you know, your work that you have said that if indeed we are getting sufficient sleep that is of the right quality, that we really wouldn't necessarily need to have knees replaced or hips replaced if, if we're allowing our bodies to do that repair, really, right? And so I mean, yes, there are, there are humans walking around at age 90 who haven't had their joints replaced. Yeah. They, and they're walking around at age 20, haven't had their joint. When you think about that, this is, means it's a self-assembling, self-healing, living being that remakes joints every night. Mm. So they can Lasting 20 years seems like routine to us. But yeah. lasting 20 years is an extraordinary thing. Right, right. I mean, right. If we get paralyzed and we repair all of our joints, they last for a very long time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something I think that we haven't necessarily been encouraged to think about or explore, right? And, uh, and maybe it's, it's really high time for us to start looking at what our bodies can actually do if we let our bodies do what they need to do, which primary, you know, is, is sleeping, right? Why are people not sleeping, basically? Um, let me say that what I'm going to talk about is the piece that I found um, and the piece that I have on my website. It doesn't mean that all the other um, coaching aspects of computer turning out your light, all the, the um, sleep hygiene advice is not valid, okay? That's all valid. What I have added is something in addition, which is that most of us in the developed world have become vitamin D deficient. That vitamin D deficiency affects our ability to sleep. Vitamin D has direct in, input on our ability to fall asleep, stay asleep, and get paralyzed. Vitamin D also is a growth factor to the normal microbiome. It is quite obvious that when the vitamin D deficiency epidemic began, the microbiome started to fail at the same time. And as the microbiome has failed, there have been multiple other diseases that have come from that. The one I think is most important is that the bugs in our belly actually provide things that allow us to sleep normally. If you don't have the normal bugs, you will not sleep normally. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, again, from having read your work, you know, you really show the progression, as you said, the, the shift in, in um, sun exposure and then the, you know, the, the incidence of things like irritable bowel syndrome and all. It really is 
incredibly compelling to look at the way you've done it. And I also know from from your program, um, when I started trying, you know, looking at my sleep and I was monitoring my D levels, they were uh, at what I guess you know the the recommended the the uh, US RDA uh, allowance would be. And I did increase them, and boy, when I got them almost doubled what I had been initially, that's when I really saw a huge shift in my sleep and began feeling it the next day too. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I can say yes. <laughs> it's a weird part of having anything to do with vitamin D. It's a very controversial subject. And ultimately, every single human being just needs to get their D between 60 and 80 and see what they notice. Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's not something that I just thought up. I observed clinically over when, in this particular part where uh, the beginning of this, uh, over a thousand patients got their Ds to 60 to 80 and they said, yeah, my sleep is better. So we mm -hmm. published that. And now it's over 8,000 people. You can mm -hmm. experience it yourself. It's, it's not mysterious and it doesn't have to have a controlled trial. Right. Yeah, you know it's funny too. I I, I used to um, to go back to my son. Uh, I would notice when he was in elementary school that during the summer this kid was growing two to three inches over the two months, and I was thinking, yes. you know, oh, it must be like the stress of the school day is not there, and you know, not having to wake up as early and whatever. But it probably was also, you know, certainly longer sleep, but also the vitamin D enabling that better sleep. So it really. You know, when I when I read all your stuff, it really just everything just clicked, and it just said, well, "This makes perfect sense." And then, like you said, you've you've experienced this clinically with your patients, you know, uh, and as a as a neurologist. So, um, yeah, I, it works for me. <laughs> so, um, so tell me uh, if there is, um, you know, if people are sitting here. What, how can people overcome the difficulty of, you know, we've talked about vitamin D. I think that's probably a big part of it. What can people do? And, and I think you have a program as well, too, to guide people. I have a program called Right Sleep. I have a workbook. We've just put out a second edition workbook to make it a program that's easier to understand. And for every single lay person, whether they have any science background or not, should be easily able to understand what to do. The uh, ask, ask for right this moment is a little bit difficult because we don't have access to D supplements everywhere in the US right now, but um, we're going into the summer and one of the things that we can all do as summer comes, April, May, June, we can go out in the sun more. So one of the things that's really challenging about the calling vitamin D a vitamin is that it has nothing to do with nutrition. It's not from food, it is really from sun exposure. So as we've been told that being exposed to the sun is dangerous and we've all moved indoors, um, our whole physiology has changed. Vitamin D is a hormone, it happens to be made from sun hitting the skin. And that is completely tied to our sleep in a seasonal way, so that in the winter we sleep longer, in the summer we sleep shorter. That has guaranteed our survival on this planet for a long time. At the moment, what we have access to, which is actually quite fortunate, is vitamin D in a pill form. So the reason why this chemical is a little unique is that most animals make vitamin D in their fur. So I have a furry jacket on, usually I would lick my fur. So all animals lick their fur or their scales or their preen their feathers, and they get the vitamin D that they make in oils in their feathers through their mouth.
That means we can actually take it orally and we can absorb it directly. During the summer, which in most of the U.S., continental U.S., is probably, this is generalized because it's such a big change in latitude from south of Florida to Maine, but most of the time you can make vitamin D from, uh, in a general sense, Memorial Day to Labor Day. Uh with a little bit more in the south and in the north, that sort of thing. So there are a limited number of months that you can make it on your skin and absorb it. So most of us are not out enough, even during those months, to get make the amount of vitamin D we need for the entire year in order to sleep normally. Right, right. And then and then there's also the consideration too, if if uh, even if we are out, there's a high likelihood that we have put sunscreen on exactly. out of fear of skin cancer, right? Yes. So is there a recommendation or a, a something for um, a time of day that it might be, you know, more um, acceptable to be out, you know, to get the vitamin D, uh, you know, from the sun, but, but minimize the risk of, of the exposure? This is still a very controversial area, but some people believe that the UVB light that makes vitamin D is actually less dangerous than the UVA light. UVA light is um, available all year long. So the reason why D is made on the skin from UVB light is that is the only light that varies with the seasons. So that particular wavelength can't enter and get all the way down to the surface of the planet. In general, the time that you can get UVB light is 11 to 2, so the the highest amount of overhead sun exposure. The difficulty has been that because we have been very focused on vitamin D as a bone vitamin instead of vitamin D as a hormone that controls hundreds of things in our body, when the dermatologist came out and said, sun exposure is dangerous, there were none of us standing next to them saying, gee, aren't you kind of concentrating on your organ of the body Mm. and ignoring the 50 other organs of the body that need vitamin D to thrive? So that means we haven't really done the proper steps to acknowledge that every single human being makes D differently on their skin. Every single person has a different skin type. Even if you're dark skinned, you can actually make D quickly or make D slow. Everything is unique. That means you don't really know the speed at which you make vitamin D until you actually have done vitamin D blood levels and spent X amount of time out in the sun. You really don't know that. Also, it's rather complex because the UVB light that makes vitamin D on our skin was designed to then make vitamin D active form to go into the skin cells and repair the uh, DNA damage that was induced by the UV light. So in the right circumstances, if you have a skin type that is adapted to where you are on the planet, you were actually designed to be out in the sun all day. Every Mm -hmm. animal spends all day out in the sun, from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. We go to our little hut to sleep at night. But every single animal spends their entire day out in the sun unless you're a nocturnal animal. And unfortunately, this particular chemical was studied in rats. And they don't get vitamin D from sun exposure because they're nocturnal. So the whole view of this as a nutrition 
is because rats must use the vitamin D that's in their food, which is made by fungus that grows on the wheat. Uh. And it took years, and it's really not gotten into most of the scientists' heads, and definitely not into the clinician's practice, that this was studied in the wrong sort of animal, and therefore we really, this is not about nutrition. This is right. about habit. This is about going outside. This is about human yeah. must be outdoors to live a normal right. life. So basically, we are operating from a study that really didn't, wasn't um, set up in a way that could give us the information that we really needed. Yeah. And so we need a real shift in our thinking that accurately reflects what we know now, that we need to have vitamin D, not because of bones in and of themselves, but because it is impactful on so many organs in the body, really. And of course, sleep as well. So in your, um, in your, in your uh, workbook, do you walk people through the process then of how to look at their vitamin D and, and monitor their sleep and, and that sort of thing? Yes, that's the whole point. So I've, I've made it as um, easy to follow as possible within the context of understanding that every single human is different and <clears throat> that every single person we, all, we have all failed in the similar way. So there's a, a, a specific stepwise failure if you live indoors. The D goes low, the microbiome, the bugs that live inside us need that vitamin D in order to thrive. When they go bad, they were supplying us with hundreds of things that have to do with the immune system and other mm -hmm. chemicals that have to do with our nervous system, our sleep, and also our level of anxiety. That means one of the biggest and most important things to do in this protocol is to bring back the microbiome. And that is really the revolutionary part of what I'm doing. Vitamin D is one of the things that the microbiome wants, but the other things that they want are B vitamins, the eight B vitamins. You've probably never thought of this, but why would we call eight different chemicals B vitamins? Mm. The first vitamin was A, and then there's eight things called B. Like, <laughs> right. What's up with that? Why didn't they do B, C, D? You know? So yeah. it turns out those eight chemicals are the basis of our biology, and we can't make any of them because they were all made by bacteria. They were actually bacterial growth factors. They were discovered in the liquid that we use to make beer and bread, hmm. and they were purified, and then we were using them to grow bacteria in little petri dishes. And then somebody said, well, oh, I wonder if humans need these. Yes. But the supply was always as an eight pack from the bacteria that lived inside us in order to bring those bacteria back. And you have some of them, even if you have the wrong microbiome, even if you have IBS, even if you have ulcerative colitis, there are some of the good guys still living inside you. What you have to do is change their environment to favor the healthy foursome. It's simple to do. It's for three months of vitamin D and B50. B50 means 50 milligrams or 50 micrograms of each one of this eight pack of bacterial growth factors. Those guys make these eight chemicals. That's what they need to live. Hmm. They exist in a little bee soup that they make. What we're doing is we're we're priming their environment by giving them those eight and the D and they get really happy and they all grow back. And at the end of the third month, you have to stop the B50 because now they are providing all the Bs that your body was designed to have 
and presto, your microbiome is back. Now, the important piece of that is you have just been living your life without an important organ of your body. You've been walking around surviving without your liver or your kidneys or your brain. Now you have this new organ of your body. That's a very weird way to think of it, but that is really an organ of the body that's been doing hundreds of things for us. It does the same thing for every animal on the planet. Well, let me just ask a question. What do you mean? Are you talking about the gut, the repaired gut is the, the organ? That intestinal content. So it's, I believe it's most of the small intestine, but this population of bacteria have been doing hundreds of things for us. I think that it's been running the absorption of small charged ions like iron, selenium, copper, mm -hmm. iodine. There was an organ of the body that was been running this forever. No one mm -hmm. measured those. The squirrels outside are not holding up little signs saying, give me zinc. Somebody was managing that. And right. we are now measuring those things and finding them disorders and disordered. And since my clients didn't really start to be able to absorb iron until their microbiome came back, I think there's a, a big basis for saying many of the diseases that we see and the things that we've measured as physicians are a result of trying to run your body without this organ. Mm -hmm. This is not something that you want to take on um, without really understanding what you're doing. And it, it's my view that vitamin D is a dangerous chemical. It affects everything about our body. So it's, it's worth it to learn more about it um, and to learn that the focus is not vitamins so much as it is the focus is on sleep. Anything that you do, you're always watching. Did that make my sleep better or worse? And the parts that I have on my website are things that haven't yet been reported. So all the other additional interventions that the other uh, health experts have are still of value. But if they haven't worked for you, then simple, cheap vitamin regimen uh, and following your sleep over a, a year can really make a huge impact on how you do. I agree. Yeah. And just to loop back on something that you said. So yeah, people may have um, difficulty because they're not getting enough sleep for the reasons you mentioned. Screens or, um, you know, uh, eating, going to bed on a full stomach, a variety of different things. And then if you've tried all of that sleep hygiene stuff and you are still on, you know, under rested, waking up tired, needing caffeine, you know, napping, all the things I used to do. <laughs> then you really need to look to the next level and see maybe it's, it's more of like a, a sleep quality kind of thing. And then uh, and Dr. Bowman, like your program really does help somebody walk through that. And it's not a take a pill thing, like you said. I mean, so many of our solutions are like that. You have to go into this with your mind knowing you're going to monitor, um, you know, um, the sleep that you get. You also have to get blood work done, all those things, but it can make such a huge difference. And once you get your sleep restored, I mean, your whole life can just be um, so, so much better, so much improved. Where would um, any viewer be able to find your, your book? My website is um, www.drgomanac.com. And uh, on the front, on the homepage, uh, you can go and order the workbook. I really encourage everyone to look around on the homepage, look around on all the learning sections, read as much as possible, see if the ideas that are there fit with your personal experience of your life.
Thank you so much for talking with us today, Dr. Dominic. I really appreciate your, your ideas, your enthusiasm, your, your program. <laughs> and I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you, Tara. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep.com. That ends this episode of the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question, is your sleep making you tired? Follow us to get the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you take your counterfeit sleep journey. And leave us a review to help other people find us. Thank you. And remember, if your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.